My name is Matt, and thank you so much for joining in online in your homes, on your various devices, where we are now 100% online worship services as we continue to be the church in this unprecedented season that we're in, Rockbridge. And we know because of the crisis that we're in, with COVID-19 and there's a lot of people with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of people already facing job loss or layoffs or loss of income. And so we still wanna be your church and we still wanna be the church. And because our people have been so generous over the years and because of the great stewardship of our, of our elders, we want to help, and so we have an online form that you can access, rockbridge.cc forward slash help, and it'll let us know what you're dealing with, let us know that how we might be able to come alongside and assist you. You can always reach out to your campus pastor, but this is a simplified, easy, streamlined way for us to uh, know how we can support you, know how we can love you, know how we can be the church to you, and we see all throughout the New Testament that God puts us together in the church so that we can do things for one another and support one another and love one another with the love that we've received from Christ. And that takes us to our Easter season, which we are entering into. This is Palm Sunday weekend. Next weekend is Easter. And our theme is just stronger together, that we're just going to encourage you to invite people to join you online or in some capacity as we're, we believe we're stronger together because of what Christ has achieved, has accomplished, and has done for us on the cross. So just a little overview of Easter week. On Monday night, I will be on Facebook Live at 6.30 just to answer questions, interact with you, and we'll just have a great time, great conversation. Good Friday, we will have a Good Friday experience for you that is available. We're sort of available on demand almost any time during the day on a Good Friday, and then all of our various service times and service opportunities as we invite our friends, our neighbors, our family members to be stronger together with us through the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. Well, today is part five of this series that we've been in called 30 Days to Live, and we're just excited to jump in to this series. And because of COVID-19 and all of our habits and all of our routines that have been interrupted, we've been cooking a lot at home in the Evans household. And before all this hit, Beth and I kind of as a joint present to each other, we bought a Ninja Foodie Deluxe, which is absolutely amazing what this thing can do and the amount of time it can do it. And we've fallen in love with it. And so a lot of this time that we've had together at home without so many kids activities we've spent making a lot of new things for for dinner for lunch for breakfast and there's always this kind of question after we make something new you know was anything missing uh, did we need more of this or less of that in terms of the ingredients, in terms of spices and seasonings? And, and always when we go to the store now, it's like, hey, we're going to miss anything. We're going to forget anything. And, and so we always have that conversation. Hey, it needs more salt. It needs more oregano, whatever. And, and, and here's what we're learning. And it's kind of a fun conversation. But what we're learning is this, that if the ingredients aren't right, the outcome won't be either. Uh, if, if when we put it all together, if we don't have the right ingredients or if we're missing an ingredient, something's not going to be right. And as we go through this series, 30 Days to Live, there's one final ingredient that, that I think we've got to make sure is in place for us to understand how to have a redemptive view of death and how to understand how all of this fits together. When God offers us a full and abundant life, we, we've learned that doesn't mean life expectancy, but when he offers us a full and abundant life, 
It does mean something, and, and, and it means something incredible, and it means something powerful. But today, we've got to get this one ingredient right, or the outcome, the full and abundant life that God has for us won't be right either. So to learn this lesson and to find this missing ingredient, we're going to go to John chapter 12, and this is an incredible passage of Scripture. Just a, just a little bit of background. Jesus has resurrected Lazarus from the dead. He's moved into Bethany where he was anointed. He's come into Jerusalem triumphantly, which we call Palm Sunday. And then in the midst of all this hype, he is growing incredibly in popularity. Uh, people are interested in him. People want to see him. And that's where we find our story, and Jesus is going to share this ingredient with us. We turn to the Gospel of John chapter 12, start reading in verse 17 where it is written. Meanwhile, the crowd which had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify about what Jesus had done. This is also why the crowd met him because they had heard he had done this, this sign. Now, some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival, and so they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Philip's one of the disciples, sir, we want to see Jesus. And so what we see going on in, in Jerusalem in the first century is everybody is interested in Jesus because of a resurrection. The resurrection that they're interested in is what he did to Lazarus, and he raised him from the dead. And, and it strikes me there's a parallel for you and I because all of us right now, especially in this time of, of worldwide global crisis, all of us are interested in, in renewal and in restoration or in a revival of normalcy or in a revival of the economy or new life or just something new because all around us, what do we hear news of? Death or, or defeat or despair. And so everybody in our day, as well as the first century in the story that we're reading when it occurred, is interested in a resurrection. And, and, and that's the ingredient that we're, that's the outcome we're moving toward, is a resurrection, a revival, a renewal, a restoration. And God, as we're celebrating next weekend in, at Easter, is in the resurrection business. And, and God is in the revival business. And God is in the renewal business. But if we want that outcome, we have to find this missing ingredient. And that's what Jesus is going to teach us about. So we'll continue our journey. So Philip went and he told Andrew. And then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, hey, you're popular. People are interested in you. And so they, and Jesus replied to them. Here's his reply. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And, and, and this word glorified, we know what that means. It's awe, it's something special, it's something spectacular, it's something um, amazing. And, and we've got a challenge when we read a word like glorified, and we've got a challenge now when we, when we strive to get what God has for us and to get to that resurrection outcome, that renewal outcome, that restoration outcome. And when we read a word like glorified, we immediately have an expectation, we immediately say, hey, this, would what, this is what God should do. This would be glorifying to God. This would be glorifying to me. This would be a blessing to me. And so we tend to put God in a box, and, it's, and he's in the box of our expectations. And, and so even in this COVID-19 crisis, listen, a lot of us, we think we know what God should do, and, and we want this outcome, and we assume the outcome or the expectation in our mind is what God ought to do. And he, I just want to push pause because Jesus is about to surprises and he wants us to get to the resurrection and the restoration and the renewal and the revival 
But I want to caution us that we don't put God in the box of our expectations, but rather we receive the revelation of God. That we receive the revelation of God because the missing ingredient is not found in the box of our expectations around this word glorified. The missing ingredient is found in the revelation of God, which comes from the word of God, and in this case, the words of Jesus. And so Jesus gives us this revelation in verse 24 as he begins by teaching us through a parable. And here's what he says. He says, truly I tell you, so very important is another way we would phrase truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat, so here's the parable, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. So if the wheat grain does not go to the ground, get planted and die, it's unproductive. It doesn't fulfill its purpose. It's just a grain, a seed, and nothing good, nothing of value comes from it. But if it dies... If it dies, it produces much fruit. It fulfills its purpose. Something happens that's positive, that's amazing. And so in this parable, Jesus is starting to unpack this missing ingredient and this powerful thing. Now, he's referring to two things. One is he's referring to his own death because he came into Jerusalem not to be glorified politically, but to die for us in our place and to move us and to enable us to go into the family of God. And, and there's another lesson that he, that he, another meaning that he's implying here that we'll get to in the next verse. But the principle that applies is this principle. The principle that applies is there's such a thing as a life-giving death. Now, now, we've been talking this whole series about, what, about how to avoid death, which we can't, and we've had to embrace that truth. That was where we were in part one. And we've been talking a lot about what comes after death and, and how the best is always yet to come even after death. And so today, we're not going to talk about uh, avoiding death, and we're not going to talk about what comes after death. We're going to talk about how to embrace this principle about a life-giving death. Or as Jesus said, a fruit-producing, a fruit-producing death. And, and only this, this only happens if we understand the meaning of Jesus' parable. Now, we all understand life-giving death in a few ways. We understand sometimes like a, a lifeguard or a soldier or a doctor might save a life through their skills or through, their, through, their ex, through what they did or their, what they gave or, or how they did the surgery or the lifeguard jumped into our water, we, we, into the water to save us. We understand life-giving death, some Christians do, in, in terms of what Jesus did on the cross, right? That Jesus died in our place, he died for us. And Romans talks about this when it says, that God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ died in our place to give us his love and to enable us to be adopted into his family. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Now, now listen, I, I think this is where all of us want to stop. We want to stop with him dying for us. We, we want to stop there, but if we stop there, there's a missing ingredient. And we miss out on the fullness of what God has for us. So here it comes. And Jesus takes that parable and he applies it not only to himself, now he applies it to us. And here's what he says. He says, the one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
If anyone serves me, he must follow me. He must come with me. And where I am, remember where he's going, he's going to die. So where I am, sacrificial, going to my own death, there my servant, my follower, must be or will be also. And so what he says is, look, if we love our life, we're going to lose it. We're going to lay it down. We're going to die to our lives. If we want to keep our life forever, we're going to hate our life in this world. And if we're going to follow Jesus and serve him, we've got to go where he goes. And he goes to a cross or he goes to a crucifixion. So he's inviting us into the power of this principle, this principle of a life-giving death. Now, so what we hear in these verses is a costly and yet a rewarding invitation. Now, now too many people in in Christianity today want to talk all about the reward and not enough about the cost. And Jesus is putting them both both together. That in other words, to get to the reward, we've got to understand the cost and be willing to bear the cost. And the cost for Jesus is this, and this is the missing ingredient, that if I refuse to die or I refuse to lay down, or I refuse to lose my life, or hate my life in this life, then I'm really refusing to live. I'm really refusing to receive all that God has for me. And so Jesus is sort of giving us a distinction. And he's saying, look, there's a difference between being alive biologically and alive spiritually to God, and alive to the spiritual purposes that God has for us. And, and, and so, so much of our attention goes here, right? So much of our prayers go here. Hey, keep this person alive. Hey, protect my family from this, and don't let us get sick. And God, Jesus is, is like saying, hey, I'm more interested in us being spiritually alive to God than I am in, a, in, in, in biological life. And, and so, Jesus said, if I refuse to die, then I'm going to refuse to live and, re- and have the full spiritual life that God has, that God wants for me. So let me say this a couple of ways so that we understand the full implications of this costly yet rewarding invitation. Following Jesus will cost me something. Refusing to follow him will cost me everything. Now, now we got to think about that for just a second. There's really no middle ground in this invitation. That's why it's so costly yet so rewarding. Following Jesus will cost me something. He said it this way, a grain of wheat has to go to the ground and die to produce much fruit. He said it this way, I have to hate my life in this world to keep it for eternal life. He said it this way, I have to lose my life in order to gain. So following Jesus will cost me something. Refusing to follow him will cost me everything. And this principle right here, you see it all throughout Scripture. Look at the example of Mary when she was invited to be the birth mother of of Jesus himself, which we celebrate at Christmas. And when she gave her answer, here's what she said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. I give up my body I give up my dream of marriage and I get my ideal or my expectation of marriage and I make myself fully available. I am the Lord's servant. Some translations go stronger. I am the Lord's slave. The, the Apostle Paul in Acts 20, 24, here's what he says. I consider my life of no value to myself, my biological life, because I'm spiritually alive to my spiritual purpose. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus, which is
is to testify to the gospel of God's amazing grace. 1 John 3 talks about this. This is how we have come to know love. Here's the definition of love. He, that's Jesus, laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So he laid his life down for us. We lay our life down for others. The life-giving death. That I hate my life now to keep it forever. I love my life, so I lose my life. Life Life-giving death. This principle that Jesus has introduced for us. He goes on and says, If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? So if I've been loved with the love of God, which is a life-giving death love, right? Which is a lay-down life love. I give that love in return. And so what we begin to see is this incredible promise, this incredible pattern of how God works. Now hear me, you want to know, God, how do I get to renewal? God, how do I get to restoration? God, how do we get to the resurrection? Here's the pattern we see in Scripture. and Here's the pattern the parable has given us in John chapter 12. That every gracious and powerful work of God requires a death in us. That's the missing ingredient. That's why most people have a powerless Christianity, which is to say they don't have Christianity. This is why a lot of people say no to Jesus because they want the reward, but they don't understand or won't pay the cost. That every gracious and powerful work of God requires a death in us. Let's say it this way in light of the season we're in, Palm Sunday, Good Friday and Easter, all here in, in this next six, seven, eight days ahead of us. To get to the resurrection, there has to be a crucifixion. And Jesus is saying that has to happen to you and I in order for him to produce fruit through us, in order for us to keep our life forever. And, and so what we see happening, and this is kind of how someone becomes a Christ follower and grows as a Christ follower. So for everybody watching that's not yet a Christian or not yet a Christ follower, listen to this pattern. And everybody watching that is a Christian, here's how God always takes you deeper. And here's how God always grows you so he can produce more fruit from your life. Here's what happens. We see his love displayed where? On the cross, this week of the year, right? We see his love and we're seized by it. We're gripped by it. We're captivated by it. Jesus died for me. There's an awakening by the Holy Spirit in me that starts to see Jesus and be gripped by how much this God-man of the universe loves me and it captures me, it captivates me, it seizes me. And that, in a, that allows me or f- brings me to a place of surrender to him. So what Jesus is teaching is, yes, I'm going to the cross to die for you, but my death for you will bring about death in you so that life can come through you. Resurrection, restoration, renewal, revival. So I see his love, I'm seized by it, I surrender to him. And this is the part that Jesus is teaching in John 12. This is the death, the life-giving death Jesus is, is teaching us about. And then finally, I serve him and am satisfied by him forever. 
So this is the pattern of Christianity. This is the renewal that takes place. This is how God grows you. I always am gripped deeper and come, become more aware of his love, which leads to a deeper, more complete surrender to him. And then I move out to serve him and be satisfied by him forever and ever. And, and so here we are. Now we have a new principle and this brings about a new realization to, for us. And this realization is this. It's not enough to be interested in, in Jesus. This crowd was interested in Jesus. And Jesus did not encourage their pop, you know, Jesus wasn't after their votes. Jesus wasn't after popularity. He says, look, I, you must also identify with me. You must also identify with my life-giving death. And, and there's, there's thousands, there's millions, there's billions of people who were interested in Jesus but they've never identified with him in his life-giving death and embrace that principle into our very own lives and say, God, I know there's some things in me that need to die so that your life can come through me. I know there's some things in me that need to die so your, your fruit can be born and displayed through me. And so here's where we are as we, as we read these verses. Do I see this? as a costly requirement or a gracious invitation. See, whether we go forward with this message or not, whether you get anything out of this message or not today, is, is how do you see this, these words from Jesus? They're not my words. They're Jesus' words. Do you see them as a costly requirement? Because if that's all you see, you'll walk away and be the same. And that means there's no resurrection. There's no renewal. There's no revival. There's no restoration. But, it, but if you see, yeah, yeah there's, there's a cost, but I see this invitation to bear fruit. I see this invitation to keep my life for eternity with God and be satisfied by Him forever. I see this invitation. I want to keep going on this map. I, I, I want to apply this to my life. I want to apply this to my soul. I need to apply this maybe in my marriage or in my finances or in my outlook or in my hope. I just need to apply this. So I'm hungry for that. And I pray God gives you a hunger. And I pray God is speaking to you now. And you see the grace in the invitation. It's easy to focus on the cost of following Jesus. But don't miss the grace yeah, following Jesus will cost me something. But not following him will cost me everything. And so as we move forward into how do we apply this to our lives, here's what we need to understand. Just like Jesus, Jesus is going to go to a cross and die for you, for me. And God's going to resurrect him through his spirit. And so because Jesus says where I'm going, you're going to follow me there. You're going to walk with me to that place. We have to realize this. See, we cannot bring about the resurrection, but we can lay down what needs to go down. We can lay down what needs to go down for new life to rise up. I can't cause a resurrection, but I can lay some things down or hate some things or die to some things 
that need to go down anyway because they're keeping me from the full and abundant life. That's why this is a life-giving death. That's why this is a principle that God wants us to embrace. So we now get a new question. And the new question is this. Where do I need to die daily and intentionally? See, so much of our conversation is around when. When am I going to die? And what do I want to do before I die? Jesus now changes that question. Where do I need to die to experience resurrection, renewal, restoration, revival? Where do I need to die daily and intentionally? Let me share a couple of categories with you that that maybe the God, the Holy Spirit would apply to your life, your situation right now. For some, it's the category of self, that I've got to die to my pride. And, And you know yourself needs to die a little bit more but because of how sensitive you are. You, you, everything is a slight. If you're overlooked, you give incredible energy to getting even or pointing out how bad they hurt, how bad they did you wrong. And there's all this energy that goes there. Imagine the energy you would have to love people if you didn't expend it on managing yourself and your ego. So you can never get where Jesus is if yourself's in the way. When I say self, I mean your pride, your flesh, the part of you that doesn't want to let God be God. And if you don't want to let God be God, there's no resurrection. There's no renewal. There's no revival for you. Another category that God might apply to your life is the category of love. How many of our relationships would get better immediately if we just laid some things down? laid some expectations down, laid the, the, the frustrations we have that, that are really preferential rather than they're not sins, they're not moral issues, they're just preferences. And we fight with our spouse or we fight with our kids or we fight with our coworkers all because of a preference, not because of a principle, but just some personal pet peeve or preference. How many would just, it, so we just need to lay some things down so God can raise some things up. How about the category of unlearning? You know, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to unlearn some things. Because most of us, we, we, we quite naturally follow ourselves. We, we learn easily to follow the crowd, right? We learn easily to follow the, the power, the possessions, the money path, the money gods. And so if we're going to follow Jesus and go where he is, as he's invited us graciously to do, we have to unlearn some things. And maybe in this season of COVID-19, God's inviting you. It's not so much to learn about him as it is to unlearn some things so you can draw closer to him. How about irrational fears? Fears that really are in light of a God who died for me and a God who was resurrected. They're just unrational, irrational. So I'm going to lay them down. How about unbiblical mindsets? Here's, here's what you need to understand. God can't take you to new places with old mindset. God, God, and, and so we want to have, as people of the resurrection, we want to have a resurrection mindset. So we need to lay some things down. And how about harmful habits? Habits that you know, if I keep doing this to my body, in my marriage, with my finances, with my tongue, I am going to end up in place a place I don't want to be. So I need to lay some things down. I need to unlearn 
some habits. Now, as we read through all of this, I'll ask you again. Do you hear me giving you costly requirements or God giving you a gracious invitation? I hope and pray with all that I have that you hear the gracious invitation of God to have resurrection life, a resurrection marriage, resurrection hope, resurrection courage, resurrection joy, resurrection peace. But to get to the resurrection, you have to go through the crucifixion. Things have to die inside of us so Jesus can bring up new life. So let me read this passage again in its entirety. And I pray that God would help you to hear the gracious invitation and that hundreds and thousands of you would say yes to Christ. And if you're saying yes to Christ in any form or fashion, we want to help you. We want to help you. So you can click the prayer button on your screen. You can go to rockbridge.cc slash next steps. We'd love to help you take steps to have a resurrection life. Let's read this and hear the gracious invitation of our gracious God. Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. There's some hope. There's a promise. And then Jesus gets personal because he's about to go to his own physical death to die the death that you and I never have to die. We never have to die and be punished for our sins. We never have to pay the penalty for our sins. Never, because Jesus is going to do that. And, he, and he's honest. He says, now my soul is troubled. This isn't easy it's costly. It's okay to admit it and confess it. And Jesus did. My soul is troubled. But what should I say? Father, Father, save me from this hour. But that is why I came to this hour. So Jesus himself bore the cost to give us the reward. But he said, you have to go through this yourself. You don't have to die for your sins. You don't have to pay your sin debt. You don't have to bear the cost of your sinfulness. But to get to the resurrection, to get to the resurrection hope and the restoration and the renewal and the revival, you got to lay some things down so I can raise them up. So I hope you hear the new hope. And the new hope is this. When we die, when we lay some things down, God can do, God can give, and God can bring so much more. What invitation, born of love, born of grace, do you hear today? What next step would God be asking you to take? Would God be asking you to make? We want to take those steps with you and help you. We're all just followers and seekers of this gracious God. Perhaps for you, you're just, I, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to join or I want to get connected or I want to get involved or I want to learn more about this church. 
Rockbridge 360 is the best place we could point you to. Rockbridge 360 is the best starting point that we could, t- we could point you to. It's relational, it's free food, free childcare, and great information and great assistance to accept the greatest invitation ever. So I just encourage you, take a next step. I just encourage you to believe that when we lay some things down, when we die, God can do, God can give, God can bring so much more. Hey, Rob Bridge, wherever you're gathered right now, let's pray together. God, even though we are apart physically, spiritually, we're together by your presence and by these promises that we've shared and we've read and we've studied today. Lord, I just want to pray for people right now. I pray for us all to have eyes and ears. The eyes, God, to see your great love for us on the cross and the ears, God, to hear the gracious invitation you've given us. So, Lord, yes, there is a cost. Lord, yes, we've got to lay some things down. But we lay them down because they need to go down anyway. And we lay them down so you can bring and raise up things. New life, new hope, resurrection, renewal, restoration, revival. May it be so, God. By the power of your mighty and gracious name, we pray together. Amen.